When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are taking a look back at a decade of stories from the Jets beat because right now we're in that period past minicamp, but not quite at training camp. So I thought it'd be fun to go back and tell some of the more scandalous and amusing stories from the last 10 plus years on the Jets beat. And of course, to do that, we bring in our friend who's been on the beat all that time, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, today we're going to tell some short stories. It's just going to be funny quotes and moments, little anecdotes that you had from throughout your time on the Jets beat. Most of these episodes will be long-form looks back at certain specific issues. We talked about Brandon Marshall versus Sheldon Richardson in the 2016 season. We talked about the rise of the usurper and the downfall of Mike McCagnin. But today, we're going to talk mostly about fun quotes. And I wanted to start with this one because... When I first came to you and said, here's an idea I was having for some shows we could do, you texted me a draft of a document you were putting together with ideas that we could get into. And the first thing that caught my eye was Brian Thomas. And the quote that you have next to Brian Thomas is, just got to drop our nuts. Please tell me the significance of that quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I just want to first take a quick detour just thinking about your reaction as you were reading this because you were just like, hey, I have this idea. Let's do a, go through like, you know, the past 10 years and fun stories. And so I sent some obvious stuff uh, back in return, you know, uh, but then I also just sent random quotes just like that. Just uh, <laughs> and, and so and you had no context for this. So you just read that like what the hell is he talking about? Who's dropping who's nuts and why? <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was my second year covering the team. Um, and they were, I forget exactly at what point of the season it was in, but they were struggling. They had dropped a few games in a row and they were trying to get back on right. And they just, Rex had started to lose a little bit of control it, it wasn't quite obvious that uh, they weren't going to be able to get back to the playoffs yet. 
and that the whole Rex Ryan error was over. It, it wasn't over. It, it wasn't obvious yet. Um, and I, I remember I walked up to Brian Thomas. I'm trying to ask him about, you know, what's gone wrong? Where do you think you guys have gone wrong? And he just turns to me and he just looks at me and goes, we just got to drop our nuts. We just got to drop our MF and nuts and go out there and whoop some ass. And I, I was, I just sat there and just kind of my eyes got wide and I looked at him and I, I'm like in my head, I'm just like dying, rolling on the floor, laughing in my head, but I'm like trying not to just like burst out completely laughing. And uh, so I'm just sitting there trying to process all this and like think of a, something to say. And I was just, but he was just like, no, nah, we just got, and I'm, I'm sitting there. I was like, Part of me wanted to just be like, can you expand on that? But like, <laughs> how do you expand on that? That That's it. That's the quote. There's no need for a follow-up quote after that. That's that's it. That's the entire summary. No, we're not playing right. We're dilly-dallying around. We just need to go out there and drop our nuts and start hitting people and doing what we need to do. And, and, and like, so eventually I stumbled around and I was just like, I, I got to it and I was like, all right, I'm with you. But he, he just kept harm, harping on it. We just got to drop our nuts. We just got to go out there, let them drop, and we'll be right back in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. It's like that meme on Twitter. That's it. That's the tweet. That's it. That's the quote. <laughs> just unbelievable. He handed you guys a golden quote. And so did Dwight Lowry. Here's one that you sent me to. And again, I have no idea the context of this. It just says Dwight Lowry, bunch of MF thugs. Yes. So this was this was my first year covering the team. And um, it was before they got to the playoffs, but they were on their way. I forget, again, the exact game it was after. And, and it was during the week. Um, so we were in the locker room. And it was actually Christian Dyer who was uh, covering the Jets beat at the time had asked Dwight Lowry a question <laughs> of, about – it was kind of the opposite of the Brian Thomas one. It was like uh, about a big win they had and what they did to, you know, get the win or whatever. And Lowry, it, he just – he like screamed it at the top of his lungs basically. And like it was like the locker room almost shook. And he was just – Cause we were a bunch of M and F and thugs and just like the, again, the, the locker room was like vibrating, just shaking from his voice, the way he yelled it, the authority that came out of his mouth when he said it. And it was, uh, I remember hearing it and looking and just be like, you know what? He's right. Like, okay, that's a good enough answer. Again, just like the Brian Thomas answer, there's no need for a follow-up after it. That's the quote. That's it. That's Build your whole story around it. It's right there for you. The Jets are a bunch of MFing thugs. And it was just perfect. It was just absolutely perfect the way the intensity he said it i will never as long as i live i will never forget that quote and just the way the vibrations of it came ringing through my ears before that season started the big story in training camp and throughout hard knocks which aired on hbo was the absence of darrell revis and the fact that he was holding out and the jets were trying to get a deal done with him 
And so when Darrell Revis finally signed, the Jets beat didn't have that question to ask any of the players anymore because I'm sure that the reporters were badgering the players asking about Revis nonstop. And at a certain point, it probably got tiresome. Well, now you didn't have to ask about that. And you were curious what Chris Jenkins' reaction would be to being asked about the fact that he wouldn't have to answer questions about this anymore. And you got a response that you weren't quite anticipating. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating uh, Chris Jenkins trying to embarrass me like that. Um, <laughs> put me in my place <laughs> like he did. And I deserved it. Uh, this was my very first year of covering the team. So I'm still, uh, uh, I know, uh, I, I always, when I'm talking to people, where it's like you're first covering the te- a team. I always, my recommendation is just stay out of people's way. Largely stay out of people's way. Observe what's going on. Watch what's happening, but stay out of people's way. Stay out of players' way. Stay out of PR's way. Stay out of other reporters' way. Um, and I remember the first question I ever asked a player was up at training camp, and it was Ladanian Tomlinson. It was super easy. Um and uh, I wasn't super comfortable just asking players, but I was asking him a question about playing with Brian Schottenheimer and he was engaged. Cause he was like, Oh, okay. You know, uh, uh, I play with this and that. But after that, it was still, we come back and it was, uh, you know, we had the season hadn't started yet. So they're doing uh, work at the jets facility here, training camp had wrapped in Cortland. We're back here. The Revis had had the whole uh, extended holdout. Uh, everything about it was just hard knocks. There was the dominant storylines. All anybody was talking about was Revis. And go to practice, go co- talk to the players in the locker room. And it was just reporters asking players about Revis. And Revis, come back. Revis, come back. What do you think? What do you think? And they were all super sick of it, all super annoyed of it. So we get there. I we gather around Chris Jenkins' locker room. Couple of questions get asked. I try to get my question out, which I just wanted to ask him: Are you happy that you're not going to have to a- answer any more questions about the Revis holdout? But again, nervous. Chris Jenkins, big giant bear of a man. Uh, I stumble through it. I I I'm like ah, but I'm tripping over my words, and he just looked at me like, what? Like, what did you just ask me? Was there a question in there? I forget exactly how he worded it, but it was very it was very much like that. And I was like, oh, man, I felt like I just shrunk to like an inch and a half uh, tall. Like I, I just like shriveled up and died. It was it was really embarrassing. But I was able to gather myself and ask it clearly. And he was like, all right. And then he was just like, no, you guys are just going to come up with some annoying new question to ask us tomorrow. <clears throat> After that, it was the first time I had ever talked to Bob Glauber of Newsday. Glauber came over to me. He saw me struggle through it, and he was just like, it's all right. We've all been there. You'll get the hang of it. You'll get it down. It's all right. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll always stick out with me remembering Chris Jenkins' answer there, too. And this is something I've applied going forward is – yeah, if it's not this one thing, it's another thing. And that's a, a large a role of journalists, uh, of sports reporters. It shouldn't be this way, but a lot a lot of it kind of is, is kind of agitators. Um, so if it's not this one thing that's getting tiring, 
will make something else uh, to be to, to tire them out as well. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an embarrassing moment for me. Like I said, the big bear of a man, Chris Jenkins, and know how insanely strong he is. And I'm just sitting there. I'm just trying to get one of my first questions in as a reporter. And man, he couldn't have made me feel any smaller in that moment. Uh, but it was, it was definitely a, uh, a, you know, a learning moment, a, a good chance to, uh, to realize, yes, sometimes you don't, have sometimes reporters have players get mad sometimes reporters will ask a simple and obvious question and but sometimes i'm asking you not because i want to know the answer i know the answer but i i want a quote from you for it because you're you're the player it holds more weight when you say it than when i say it but sometimes there's just these simple answers and questions that you don't even need to bother answering the answer is yes of course they don't want to ask answer more questions about Darrell Revis, but we're going to figure out some other way to annoy him in the next day. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glauber patting you on the shoulder like that reminds me of that scene in Major League where Vaughn has that terrible outing and Jake Taylor comes up to him and says, relax, kid, we got 161 of these babies to go. That's kind of what it was like. He was saying, hey, welcome to the Jets beat, kid. You got many years of this ahead of you. Don't worry about it. Put it in the rearview mirror, which you did. But there was another thing that you had to put in the rearview mirror that happened early on during your tenure on the beat. I know you've told this story before or at least alluded to it. It was a lesson that I learned in radio a long time ago. I was told when I first started in radio, never, ever say anything on a mic that could potentially be live because you never know, even though you're not supposed to be on the air, maybe somebody forgot to turn your mic off. We've seen a lot of these embarrassing moments for play-by-play guys and DJs and so on and so forth. You learned this lesson the hard way early on during your tenure on the beat. Yeah, so this was either my third or fourth year on the beat. I forget which one. We had this kid, Joe, uh, that was working with us as an intern at the time. And it was during a stretch of time that Sanchez was struggling. Um, And, you know, it wasn't those first two years of the back-to-back AFC championships. Um, And at this time, the Jets' website, uh, their own website, wasn't quite what it it is now. They weren't quite as on top of uh, posting their own content as they are now. But at this time, they – would typically uh, take do an interview with Sanchez and with Rex, and then they would post it on their website. But then they stopped posting full clips of Sanchez's pressers on the website for some reason. I had a lot of fans that were like, they stopped posting the full presser. Can you take video and post the video so we can see the full presser? I said, okay, sure, no problem. <laughs> and so I was taking video of the presser, and there was a reporter who was just going after Sanchez. And this was just just hammering him, just like, yeah, but no. like, but And basically just trying to be like, you stink. This is the entire reason why everything is going bad here is because you're not good. And he was really – what he was really trying to do was trying to pepper Sanchez into saying, like, blame somebody else. But Sanchez stood there and he just took it and he was like, no, this is all on me. This is my fault. I need to be better. And he kept pressing, trying to bait him into saying something else. And then the press conference ended and I take my phone down and I turn to the intern Joe I'm working with and I mumble to him quietly, what an asshole. 
Now, I, in my head, thought I had already clicked end on the video. Apparently, I didn't, though, <laughs> because I went, I uploaded the video, I tweeted it out, and I sent it out into Twitter. And then the next day, I come into work, and I have no idea anything's going on here. Now, I also have a separate issue going on with this reporter at the time. <clears throat> um, but PR comes up to me, uh, Bruce, uh, the, the head of the PR at the time, who's not there anymore, came up to me and was like, yo, we need to talk. And uh, he was like, you called the reporter an asshole. And I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? And then I actually went back and looked at uh, Twitter and I scrolled all the way to the end of the video. And the last, like, it was like two seconds or one second at the very end of the clip, you can hear me say, what an asshole. And I was just like, oh, man. I was Because at this point, I'm the asshole. I'm the one in the wrong here. Um, because, like, yes, I still disagree. And I stand by my statement that you shouldn't. Uh, treat players like that, you, especially trying to bait them into criticizing somebody else. But if you're going to, it, it came off as I was trying to send this like sneaky little thing in there. And that's not me. If I'm going to, if I'm going to call somebody an asshole, I'm going to call them an asshole to their face. And I'm going to think they're an asshole. I typically won't say it to their face because there's just no need like that. I don't need to cause tension and drama in there. Um, but it, the video is out there. I immediately released it and uh, erased it. <clears throat> but yeah, again, and I, this is what I said to the PR. I was like, no, this, this is, I'm the asshole in this situation. I'm the one that's wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will never do it again. Um, and I remember cause they were asking me and, they had to bring Samini out because Samini's head of the Jets chapter of the Pro Football uh, Writers Association. And I remember being like, I, like, come on, like, you, I know you guys don't know me that well, but you know me enough to know, like, I'm not trying to do this. And they were all like, we know, we understand. Um, but yeah, the, I tried to get me in some trouble there. Uh, and it was, I messed up. I, I absolutely messed up. That was a sneaky little, uh, it's not sneaky because I didn't do it on purpose, but I could absolutely understand how somebody would think I would do that on purpose. <clears throat> but you don't know me if you think that's how I'm doing it on purpose. But yeah, it was an interesting little, uh, little story playing out. There was a bit of a conspiracy to bring you down, Chris, just like there was a conspiracy for Santonio Holmes to fake an injury <laughs> one of your first years on the beat, at least according to one of the posters on JetsInsider.com's forums, right? This is just a little little nugget of a story that's just too good and too funny to not talk about. Santonio San got hurt, I believe it was that Miami game at the end of the season, and he had plantar fasciitis. And uh, there was somebody on the Jets Insider message boards who was who posted a thread and said Santonio Holmes was faking the injury. And this is how he fakes it. This is how NFL players fake injuries. They go down to a morgue and they get a cadaver leg and they take an X-ray of the cadaver leg with the exact injury that they want to pretend they have. And then they go and they send that to the to the team, to the team doctors, and then that allows Antonio Holmes to go and party it up while he's quote unquote injured. Um, it was, I mean, this was a, 
a while ago, a long time ago. This was way before we had uh, conspiracy theories dominating every aspect of life. Um, and may maybe this poster is to blame for all of it. But <laughs> he he legitimately was trying to argue that Antonio Holmes wasn't injured, that he just went and got a cadaver leg with a plantar fasciitis injury. And they took an x-ray of that, and that's all that was going on. I got to say, Chris, that poster gave some players some ideas. So the next time they're on one of these teams and want to fake an injury, now they know all they have to do is go get a cadaver leg. <laughs> and the, the phrase cadaver leg by itself is really, really funny to me. Like, just by itself. I don't know why those two words is, together is so funny to me, but it is for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, NFL players, anybody uh, listening – uh, I, I have passed that advice on to players before I have told them the story and been like, hey, you know, if you want to do this, I've heard this is the trick that works really well. Um, and they always they always get a kick out of it as well. But as far as I know, no one has actually tried to pull that off yet. It is absolutely hilarious because when you were texting me these ideas you had for quotes that could be fun little anecdotes on this particular episode, you wrote cadaver leg and I said, all right, I got to know what this is about. So now we know that apparently there's some sort of grand conspiracy that when a player wants to fake an injury, he uses a cadaver leg. I'd never heard of that before, but kudos to that poster at JetsInsider.com, wherever you are and whoever you are for coming up with that. Chris Nimbley, The Very Big Deal, thanks for sharing some of these anecdotes on our look back on your journey as a man covering the New York Jets on the Jets beat for the last decade. We'll have more episodes of this as we get ready for training camp. Chris will be providing you plenty of content as well over at JetsInsider.com and you can follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider and you can read our work at PlayLikeAJet.com and subscribe to the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Kayla Pace has her video commentaries, Pace's Playbook. Luke Grant has film reviews that he's been putting up there, including both Michael Carter's, Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, and he's got one on the L.A. Rams offense and some things that the Jets should borrow from it and incorporate into their 2021 offense. And also, if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet for the podcast, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 